This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Myers. This is episode number 51. We're looking at a summary of Genesis chapter 3. There's still some new stuff in this episode, so even if you've listened all the way through all of the previous studies on Genesis chapter 3, make sure you listen to this one. There will be some good stuff in here for you. Uh, Of course, since what I share today might be a bit challenging, you might also want to go back Listen to some of episodes from Genesis 3 you might have missed. This is especially true if you're brand new to the One Verse Podcast. There'll be a lot of ideas in here which you will definitely want to pick up on from previous episodes. So uh, you just go back to the archives on iTunes or whatever. Listen to some of those. Hey, and listen, I am excited to finally announce to you the project I've been working on for about a year. I've started making some online Bible and theology courses available on my website. They're audio and text-based courses with lessons and quizzes and tests and certificates, all those sorts of things. Basically, they're Bible college and seminary level courses. And only one course is available right now. I'm already working on the second. But the one I have available right now is called The Gospel According to Scripture. And in this course, I define for you what the gospel is. According to the Bible, that's where the title comes from. Uh, But also, some of the key concepts of the gospel, like how we know we have eternal life, forgiveness of sins, uh, why grace must be absolutely free, shockingly outrageous, or it isn't grace. Several other topics related to the gospel as well. And in today's podcast episode, we're talking about sin, and I also have a couple lessons in the course about sin, so if today's podcast sort of interests you, make sure that uh, you, you get this course. Uh, the, the, the course, the lesson title in the course is called, Yes, You Can Just Go Sin All You Want. <laughs> uh, listen, don't judge me for saying that. Don't be shocked for saying that until you take the course. Listen to that lesson anyway. Uh, and, and you can learn more about the course and the lesson by going to redeeminggod.com courses. Um, now, the course itself is $299, and you might be shocked by that, uh, but I have a way for you to get it for significantly less. I also, along with the courses, have some membership levels that I've opened up on my website. There's three of them. The Faith, Hope, and Love membership levels. Uh, the Faith membership level is free, and uh, if you if you become a Faith member, then you can get the course for only $97, so that's over $200 savings. Uh, And that's a really good deal. But if you become a member with the Hope or Love membership levels, then you get them absolutely free. So uh, anyway, to learn more about those three membership levels, just go to redeeminggod.com slash register, and you can pick the one that is right for you. It's uh, redeeminggod.com slash register. Anyway, can't wait to see you there. But uh, let's dive into the study and uh, sort of to introduce you to the study, the episode for today, this summary of Genesis 3, I want to ask you one of the great questions of humanity, uh, which, as it turns out, is also one of the great questions of philosophy and religion. And it's, this is the question. What is wrong with the world? 
you know, lots of people point at a myriad of things that are wrong with the world. But when it gets down to it, what is the one thing or what's the basic problem that's wrong with the world? You know, how did it get this way? What can be done to fix it? What went wrong? And the answer that most of the world religions provide is that, in some way or another, humans have angered or offended the gods by disobeying them. Uh, So what's wrong with the world? Well, the gods made us, and then we rebelled against the gods, or the god, you know, depending on which religion you're talking about. And so now, today, we are suffering the consequences of it. This is the typical religious answer. The solution, of course, then, is that we need to obey the gods once again, and in this way, we will get back into their good graces, or his good graces, or her good graces, again, whatever religion you're talking about, and then they will love us and take care of us and provide for us once again. Everything will be all right. Okay, now, uh, that's the basic answer of most religions in the world, and Christianity has typically provided a very similar answer. If you were to ask the typical Christian, what has gone wrong with the world, or what is wrong with the world, when did the world go wrong, probably somewhere along the way, they're going to point you to Genesis chapter 3. And they're going to say that, well, look, back in the beginning in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, God created the world and it was all very good. And as the pinnacle of this creation, he made mankind in his own image, male and female. He created them and put them in this beautiful garden Then he placed in this garden this tree of knowledge of good and evil and said, don't eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil or you'll die. But, you know, we humans, Adam and Eve, we did eat of it. And uh, because of this sin, the world has been suffering ever since. And if we can just get back into God's good graces, then everything will be all right once again. All right. So, So that's the typical Christian answer. A very similar, yeah, different stories and, you know, basic But the basic similarities are still the same with all the other religions. God's created us. We offended, angered, disobeyed the gods, and now things are bad. So we need to fix things, get back into God's good graces in order for the world to be set right. Uh, You know, Christians say we need to obey God so that God will bless us and protect us and provide for us. Really, the, the only difference as far as this question, what's wrong with the world, between Christianity and other world religions is probably how we go about trying to fix the problem. But, you know, that's really a subject for another time. Today, though, as I seek to summarize what we've learned from Genesis chapter 3, I I want to propose to you that the way Christianity has traditionally framed the problem and the answer, you know, to what has gone wrong with the world— the, the, the typical, traditional Christian answer might not be exactly right. Now, I, I agree that asking the question, what has gone wrong, or what is wrong with the world, is an important question. I also agree that the Bible tells us the answer. Um, but I, I do not agree that Genesis 3 contains the answer. Maybe I should say, I, I do not agree that Genesis 3 contains the full answer. Uh, Genesis 3 does give us part of the answer, and uh, in in so doing, it prepares us for the answer, which is actually provided in Genesis chapter 4. So what I want to do today, just in sort of wrapping up Genesis chapter 3, is provide a way for you to read Genesis 3 that will help you, prepare you, for what you will see in Genesis chapter 4, what we're going to study in Genesis chapter 4. 
We, we need to see Genesis 3 in a proper light in order to better position ourselves to see the truth that is revealed in Genesis chapter 4. All right, so, so the great question is, what has gone wrong with the world? The answer is in Genesis 4. But in order to see it, you have to understand Genesis 3. So uh, that's sort of what I've tried to show you as we've gone through. But let me just sort of summarize. Uh, well, you know what? Let me, let me do this first. Before I summarize what we've seen in Genesis 3, let me summarize for you the way Genesis 3 is typically understood in many Christian traditions and Christian teachings. All right? So, so it usually goes something like this. Uh, after God created Adam and Eve, he told them not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God said, don't eat of it or you will surely die. I will punish you with death. But Adam and Eve thought that they knew better than God, and so they allowed themselves to be tricked by the serpent into eating the forbidden fruit. But God was very angry at being disobeyed, and he cursed Eve with pain in childbearing, and he cursed Adam with having to work hard on the earth. And then God kicked them both out of the Garden of Eden, sentencing them to death just as he had warned them that he would do. And so today, we still die, and God is still angry at us sinners because he hates sin, and we need to be delivered and rescued and cleansed from this sin before God can love us and be with us once again. That is sort of the typical way of reading Genesis 3. Uh, And I have many strong exceptions to that way of reading and applying Genesis 3. And I've tried to cover them sort of as we've worked through the text in previous episodes. For example, um, uh, look, I pointed out in one of the episodes that after Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it didn't seem to bother God one bit. He still came for his daily walk with them. From God's perspective, nothing had changed. He didn't seem to be angry. He didn't seem to be upset. Uh, He didn't come to the garden that day to punish Adam and Eve for what they had done. He just came in a soothing, the, the calm of the day, out for a walk with them. It was they who were afraid of God and had hid from him. But they had no reason to be afraid of him. I also pointed out that when God told them what would happen as a result of eating the forbidden fruit, right, pain and childbearing, Uh, A broken relationship between the two of them. Adam's work in the earth becoming more difficult. These were not curses placed on them by God. Instead, God was simply explaining to them what the natural consequences of their action would be. Add a couple episodes on all of that. Uh, And then, at the end of the chapter, which we saw last week in episode 50... When God removes their access to the tree of life in the Garden Eden, they don't, they don't get to go back into the garden and eat from the tree of life. I pointed out that this is not God punishing them or cursing them to death. Instead, it's, it's, it's God's kind and gracious move to make sure that humans don't live forever in a hell that they had brought upon themselves. God is basically allowing death to overtake humanity so that they can be delivered from the devastation and destruction that we had brought upon ourselves. 
And furthermore, we saw, I think this was last week, maybe it was the week before, that when, when, when God sends them out of the garden, once again, from God's perspective, nothing has changed. If you remember, when God first created Adam and Eve, he gave them royal and priestly responsibilities in the earth. They were to be his emissaries, his ambassadors, his royal ambassadors, and also they were to be priests. But you remember this linen clothes he gave them, the, the, the clothing there is these linen clothes, which were royal garments and were priestly garments. And so when God sends them out of the garden, from God's perspective, again, they are still his royal ambassadors, his royal guests, his royal emissaries. They are still his priesthood in the world. Nothing had changed from God's perspective. Here's one of the greatest truths from Genesis 3. Look, well, Genesis 3 does contain hints of what has gone wrong in the world. The greatest revelation from Genesis 3 is the truth that despite what has gone wrong, God himself has not changed his view of humans and how he treats us. All right, throughout Genesis 3, God still loves, protects, and provides for humans, seeks to, to continue his relationship with us. And that is an amazing, beautiful truth. Look, most of the world religions, including many forms of Christianity, say that God is angry at us for our sin. He's out to punish you for, our rebe- you know, for your rebellion. You better not sin. Watch out. God's out to get you. Genesis 3 indicates the exact opposite. I don't care what you've done, what you've said, what you think. Nothing like that. God is not angry at you. He is not upset at you. He is not out to punish you, curse you, condemn you, accuse you, or kill you. God does not do those things. All right, so when we get back to the original question, you know, what is wrong with the world? Genesis 3 doesn't actually provide the answer. It does, but it doesn't provide the full answer. All we see here is whatever's wrong with the world, it's not God. God is not what's wrong with the world, okay? Uh, And also, what we've done in disobeying God, that's not actually what is wrong with the world either, at least not from God's perspective. So, So what we're seeing from Genesis 3 is that whatever is wrong with the world, it is not due to the judgment or condemnation or punishment of God for our disobedience. Don't get me wrong. Adam and Eve did disobey God in Genesis 3. All right, but that in itself is not what has gone wrong with the world. Look, when when, when bad things happen, here's, a, here's sort of an application. When bad things happen to you, or when bad things happen in this world to other people or other places, other countries, other nations, whatever, other parts of the world, other parts of the country, never say that God sent those bad things. We don't see him doing that here in Genesis 3. He doesn't send a bunch of bad things into the life of Adam and Eve And he doesn't send bad things into our life either. Okay, that is one of the most significant and amazing truths of Genesis chapter 3. So, sort of looking ahead a little bit to Genesis chapter 4, but also summarizing Genesis chapter 3. What is wrong with the world? Why is the world messed up? Let me sort of spoil Genesis 4 for you. All right? The answer to the question of what is wrong with the world, the answer is sin. The biblical answer is sin. 
All right, maybe you're confused now. You might be saying, Jeremy, you just said that Genesis 3 doesn't contain the answer, what's wrong with the world, but then you turn around and say that sin is what is wrong with the world. What's going on here? Didn't I just say the answer is not in Genesis 3, and then I turn around and say that sin is what's wrong with the world? Yes, (laughs) okay, but don't be confused. Here's the thing. I've said it before, numerous episodes, all the way throughout Genesis 3. Most Christians believe that the first sin is when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And while this is what many people believe and what many people say, this is not what the Bible says. Sin is not mentioned in Genesis 3. And nowhere else in the Bible do we read that the first sin is in Genesis 3. Now, you might be thinking about Romans 5, and I've talked about that before in another podcast episode. We'd like to do a future podcast explaining it in a lot more detail. But if you go and read Genesis 5 very carefully in light of sort of what I've just said, what we see is that, yes, sin came through Adam, all right? And and as a result of sin, death as well. Um, And because all have sinned, all die— all of this is what Paul is writing in Romans chapter 5. But you, you read it very carefully, and Paul is not talking, at least not explicitly, about when Adam ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He doesn't mention that. It's sort of left open to when death and sin comes, when how Adam brings it. And I believe that what Paul is doing in Genesis uh, 5 is referring back to Genesis chapter 4, And yes, what happens in Genesis chapter 4 came as a result of what Adam and Eve did in Genesis chapter 3. But I'm convinced that Paul has in mind, primarily in mind, the events of Genesis chapter 4. I'll try to explain a lot more of this as we get into Genesis chapter 4. My point for now is nowhere in the Bible do we read that the first sin occurred in Genesis chapter 3. Now, did they disobey? Yes, they did. Is disobedience sin? Okay, yes, it is. Okay, I'm not trying to get confusing here, but but look, disobeying God's laws and all of that, that's not God's primary concern. Sin is the problem with the world, all right? And God wants us to obey him, but there's a reason he wants us to obey him. Uh, getting into a huge topic here about sin. I do cover it in my course, Gospel According to Scripture, a little bit. All right, by the way, Let's stop, let's stop talking about the fall of mankind as well, in reference to Genesis chapter 3. There's no fall. Uh, Adam and Eve, remember, when they are kicked out of the Garden of Eden, they are still God's royal ambassadors and priestly servants on the earth. God, nothing changed. They didn't fall. There's no fall. Okay, in Genesis 3. Just as the events in Genesis 3, we can't refer to them as sin. Also, we shouldn't refer to them as a fall. Humans didn't fall in Genesis chapter 3. Anyway, I'm getting off track. Look, when we ask what is wrong with the world, well, Genesis 3 does not provide the full answer. It does prepare us for the answer. What Adam and Eve did, did introduce into the world what happens in Genesis chapter 4, where we read about sin. All right, so... uh, Genesis 4 gives us what the real problem with the world actually is. Genesis 4 reveals what is actually wrong with the world. And the problem, as it's defined in Genesis 4, is called sin. 
And it's, it's consistently, that problem in Genesis 4 is consistently referred to as sin throughout the rest of Scripture. Anyway, look, let me, let me try to wrap all this up for you. This is mostly just an introduction to Genesis chapter 4, I guess. So, so look, I, I've titled this podcast episode, The Redemption of Sin. <laughs> Are you sort of beginning to see why? Many Christians, I believe, have a definition of sin as, you know, disobeying the commands of God or something like that. And, and, and Adam and Eve did it the first time in Genesis 3. And so when he does that, or when, when they disobey him, or when we disobey him, he gets angry and upset and he punishes and he, he lashes about and he curses people to death. You know, where do people get that idea of sin? Where do people get that idea of God? Well, frankly, they get it from other religions who have this view about God, and then they impose this wrong idea about God onto Genesis 3, and then they get this wrong idea about God and about sin and and all this stuff, and they see it in Genesis 3 even though it's not there. As I'm trying to point out to you, a proper reading of Genesis 3 doesn't reveal any of those truths. Sin is not mentioned in Genesis 3. God is not angry in Genesis 3. And God does not punish humans in Genesis 3. When we improperly define sin, what we end up with is an improper view of God both of which then lead us to read the rest of the Bible improperly and also improperly understand what's going on in our life when we sin. Yes, we do. Or when bad things happen to us. All right? So here's the thing. As soon as we begin to realize the truths of Genesis 3, it is then that we begin to see Scripture, God, ourselves. Yes, sin. Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, and pretty much everything else in life and Bible in a whole new light. So look, is sin the problem? Yes, it is. It absolutely is. When we ask, what is wrong with the world? The answer is sin. All right? But it is so critical that you understand what sin actually is and what it is not. And it is not what we see happening in Genesis 3, at least not primarily. What we see happening in Genesis 3 prepares us for sin. Anyway, we'll get into all of that when we get to Genesis 4. And then once we begin to grasp what sin is and is not, as as we see in Genesis 3, it is then that we begin to see these whole new set of truths emerge from Scripture all over the place in the Bible, which most of us have completely ignored or missed simply because we failed to understand what sin is. Let me close out today's episode with just sort of three sort of general guidelines about sin and how we can begin to develop a new understanding about sin in our lives and as we read and seek to understand Scripture. Okay, so so here's the three sort of uh, truths about sin that we're going to help you change your view of sin and what it is in Bible and, and in history and in your life. So number one, sin is not best defined as breaking a commandment of God. It's the way most of us define it. What is sin? You know, it's when we break God's commands. Well, that is not the best definition of sin, not the best biblical definition of sin. Adam and Eve do break a command in Genesis 3, but it is not defined as sin. All right? 
And this gives us a whole different understanding about the purpose and function of the law, why God gave the law, why we should keep it, you know, what it means if we don't. That also is a great topic for another time, which, uh, by the way, I I don't cover a whole lot in my course, The Gospel According to Scripture, but I do cover it in my second course, which I'm working on right now, which I hope to have out mm, by by the end of the year, hopefully, but we'll see. Uh, Anyway, number one, sin is not best defined as breaking a commandment of God. We'll see, as we get into Genesis chapter 4, how sin is best defined. Anyway, number two then, God is not angry at us when we break his commandments. He's not even angry at us when we sin. All right? We saw this in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve do break a commandment to God, but God doesn't punish them. God doesn't punish you. God does not punish people. Uh, he, he didn't punish Adam and Eve. He, he wasn't even angry at them. He didn't curse them, accuse them, condemn them. And it's the same for you. I get emails every day from people all over the world concerned about a certain sin they've committed and whether or not God loves them, can forgive them, or he's going to condemn them to hell, eternal hell, because they thought some bad thought. Listen, if that's you, God loves you more than you can possibly know. He is not angry at you. He is not upset at you. He has not cursed you. He has not condemned you. Look, when we finally do discover in Genesis 4 what sin is, We're going to discover, even there, that God doesn't punish people for their sin. He doesn't punish Adam and Eve for their disobedience, and he also doesn't punish the people in Genesis 4 for their sin. God simply does not punish. He he does not inflict pain on people for their disobedience or for their sin. Now, now, there are consequences, absolutely there are consequences for disobeying God, consequences for sin. But, but these consequences come from the disobedience or, or from the sin itself, not from God. I've said it oftentimes before, let me say it again, sin bears its own consequences with it. Okay, so, so that's the second truth. Uh, God is not upset or angry at you when you break his commandments. That's the second truth. Thirdly and finally then, beautiful truth from Genesis 3. God jumps into our disobedience or into our mess with us to rescue and deliver us from it. Now, I don't care if it's disobeying him or if it's a sin that we fall into, that we commit, which is what we will be defining. Whatever the mess is that we create, God doesn't punish us. Instead, he jumps into it with us to rescue and deliver us from it. I I told you sin has its own consequences. So what God does is he jumps in to help rescue us from those consequences. Now, not everything can be, we can be delivered from, but but, but, but God, look, God loves you so much. The reason he tells you not to do certain things is because he knows that if you do them, you will get hurt. And he doesn't want to see you hurt because he loves you so much. And when we disobey, or or, or even when we sin, even then, God doesn't want us to get hurt more than we have to. So so he, he does what any good parent would do. He jumps into the storm with us 
wraps his arms around us to protect us and shield us and minimize the pain and damage as much as possible. God is a loving father. If you have a child, you say, don't go jump in the deep end of that swimming pool. And your child, when your back is turned, disobeys you, goes and jumps into the deep end, and now they're flailing around out there, choking and about to drown. Are you going to stand on the edge of the pool, shake your head and shake your finger and yell at them and say, I told you not to. Now you're going to drown, suffer the consequence. No, (laughs) I hope you wouldn't do that. You're going to jump in and you are going to rescue them. That's what God does for you and me as well. When we disobey him, or even when we sin, there are consequences. God doesn't stand on the edge, yelling at us and shaking his finger at us and saying, see, I told you so. No, (laughs) he jumps in there with us to deliver us and rescue us and minimize the pain and the damage. That's the third truth we see from Genesis 3. So those are the three truths. All right, sin is not best defined as breaking a commandment of God. God is not angry at you when you break one of his commandments or even when you sin. And when we do break his commandments or when we sin, God's response, only response, is to jump in into the mess to rescue us and deliver us from it. So those are the three truths about sin. Most people miss them from Genesis chapter 3. I hope they give you a little more hope and clarity. Uh, Look, first of all, Genesis 3 isn't even about sin. I will talk about it more in Genesis 4. I'm sounding repetitive, I know. Um, But even still, Genesis 3 and Genesis 4, what we're going to see is just, you know, disobedience, sin, they're just not that big of a deal to God. It doesn't bother him one bit. When we disobey, he still loves, still protects, still leads. The only response of God when we disobey him is to sadly warn us about the consequences, what's coming, what, can we, what we can expect, how our disobedience is going to hurt us. And then he steps into that mess to bear the pain and the damage on his back. I hope you understand that I'm not telling you to just, you know, just go ahead, go sin all you want, go disobey all, all you want, go disobey God all you want. That's not what I'm saying. No, sin is painful. Disobedience hurts. That's why God invites us to obey him, warns us about what sin is and how to, how to avoid it. But never think for a moment that God hates you or wants to punish you because of what you've said or done. That sort of God is not the God of the Bible, not the God of Genesis 3, and definitely not the God revealed in Jesus Christ. So you see, we've redeemed sin. <laughs> Or at least the way you might have been thinking about sin. The way we Christians typically think about sin is not at all the way God thinks about sin. That's my point. Genesis 3 doesn't define sin. And even though Adam and Eve do disobey God in Genesis 3, their disobedience does not restrict or inhibit God's love and care for them in in one tiny bit. And that's the truth for you from Genesis chapter 3. I don't care what you've done. God doesn't care either. He's going to love you in it and through it. He's not going to judge you, condemn you, accuse you, curse you, nothing of the sort. I know I didn't really get into what sin is, so we'll begin to look at that next week when we pick up in Genesis chapter 4. 
It's actually not mentioned until Genesis 4-7 if you want to sort of look ahead and come up with some ideas of what you think I might say. Probably take us a couple weeks to get there as I lay the foundation in the first six verses. Uh, but there we will see how the Bible defines sin and why it is the cause for everything that is wrong with the world. If you sort of want to get a head start on that, look, I, I do I, I do talk about it in that those lessons, a couple lessons in my course, The Gospel According to Scripture, especially that lesson that you might be most interested in. Uh, the lesson is called, Yes, You Can Just Go Sin All You Want. Anyway, uh, if you want to take the course, I, I highly recommend you do not pay $299 to take it. Please do not do that. Uh, look, even that price is a great deal. Uh, when I went through Bible college and seminary, it was a typical course cost about $1,000. So $299 is one third of that. But I want to save you even more money. Sign up for the free faith membership level on my site and you can take the course for only $97 or better yet, okay, become a Hope or Love member and uh, you can take the course for absolutely free. Uh, if you're unsure whether or not you'd like the course, here, here's what I highly recommend you do, okay? Sign up for the, the faith, the, the free faith membership level, and that will allow you to take the first several lessons of the course absolutely free. You won't pay a dime, all right? You can, that way you can check it out, see if you like learning that way online, getting the, the transcripts and taking the quizzes and listening to the audio lessons, that sort of a thing. There's, there's no, you don't need to pay a penny for it. Free faith membership, and then you can take the first several lessons for free. And then if you do like it, and you want to take the rest of the course, then become a HOPE member for only $9 a month. Or um, you can save even more by becoming a LOVE membership and making a one-time annual payment, all right, uh, for $89. So that saves you even more. Both the HOPE and LOVE membership can take the course for free. Uh, also, you'll be able to take all my future courses for free. So to learn more about that, just go to redeeminggod.com, register. It's redeeminggod.com, register. Can't wait to see you there.